Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their businesses. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. As an attorney who has built and managed law firms in Georgia and New York City, created innovative software for lawyers with LexisNexis, and helped many other attorneys grow professionally and personally, your law firm business should exist to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Managing Your Brand. My guest today is Mark Soniglia. Mark is the co-founder of Spotlight Branding. This is an internet marketing and branding firm for lawyers. Mark is passionate about helping lawyers realize the full scope of what the internet can do for their practice and how branding and content are often overlooked. He lives in the flourishing downtown Miami area, and he serves local clients as well as clients across the country. So now that you know Mark, let's welcome him to the show. We're calling this Managing Your Brand. Mark Soniglia, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Hey, Chris. Super glad to be here. Thanks so much. First of all, uh, you're welcome. And uh, yeah, super glad to have you because this is an area where marketing is a kind of a bugaboo for a lot of uh, lawyers. Everybody knows they have to do it. A lot of lawyers spend a lot of money doing it and don't get the results that they're looking for or don't know if they're getting the results they're looking for. And first of all, my, my introduction of you was really brief. You're the co-founder of Spotlight Branding. Just to kick us off, what does your business actually do for law firm owners? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Thanks for asking. So, I mean, in short, we we create the internet presence. You know, for a lot of law firms, we like to call it the internet foundation. Um, but all we really mean by that are some of the really basic things that we think lawyers should be doing on the internet. So, the obvious one's going to be, you know, building a website for the law firm. But we think there's a couple of components that really need to go with that. Things like a monthly email newsletter blogs, social media, maybe even some videos like video FAQs. So we really take care of those core components. And um, I'm sure as we talk today, it'll kind of bring to light how we really see those components as as branding based uh, elements. You'll notice that I didn't really bring up Google or SEO because that's not what we do. And uh, while those things are important, you know, I think that today we'll probably get to talk a little bit about how there's more, uh, you know, to internet than, than just some of those things. 
And you've shown in some of what you've written that there are there are more than 1.2 million lawyers in the United States. And I know that small firms, uh, from my own research, account for well more than half of that. There's well over half a million, over 600,000 actually, lawyers in single, dual, up to five lawyer law firms. What does it take really, you know, everybody wants to market, everybody wants a piece of what's out there. What does it take for these guys to stand out? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of answers to that question, of course, but I think that one of them is actually branding. And I think that that word, while we all kind of know what that means, I think in the legal world, it often gets overlooked, you know, but you know, what I, what I often say when I'm talking to lawyers is, you know, you know, what comes to mind when you think about branding and maybe they think of something like Nike or something like that. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Nike does a lot of branding because Nike wants you to think that that when it comes to basketball shoes, they're the absolute best at basketball shoes. That's branding. So when we look at it that way, how could we not think that's really important for lawyers? Because there's so many lawyers out there, as you just mentioned, more than more than half of those 1.2 million are, are solos and small law firms. So standing out and being seen as quote unquote, one of the best or an expert or a leader in what you do is super important because that is how you stand out to answer your question. And in my world, in the marketing world, that's what we call branding. So I think one of the ways to stand out is to build a brand uh, as being one of the go-to lawyers for what you do. Because at the end of the day, as a lawyer, you're solving somebody's problem. And when somebody has a problem, they want the best of the best. And that's essentially what branding is. Right. And you just you just fo- turned your own focus on, on your own business, actually. You recently rebranded yourself, right? We did. We took our own advice. We were under the name of One Marketing, which is which is what we began as uh, when we started. And you uh, know, one day we kind of got to the point where we said, you know what, our name doesn't actually make as much sense as something else might. And so we, un- we underwent a brand change and switched over to Spotlight Branding. And just real short, the reason for that is because uh, essentially, uh, you know, how you make a law firm stand out is by shining the spotlight on them. You know, we 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 have a little you know story we like to say where you know, imagine you're on stage and, and with a bunch of other lawyers, but the lights are off and, you know, no one can tell you apart from any of the other lawyers, but then a spotlight, you know, shines on you and, and now you really stand out. And so that's, that's essentially branding that that's what we do for lawyers. And I think that this will come to light during our conversation, but that is the value of content on the internet is it helps you stand out. And, um, and so that's why we underwent our own rebranding because we wanted a name and a story that more reflects what we do, what we're about. Cool. And, and you, you mentioned it like in sort of your core mission statement, one of the things that you talk about and one of the things that branding is really important for is that as a baseline, the people who are looking to hire us, the potential clients for law firms are actually afraid to speak to us. You believe that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I do. And, and I can say that one, because I'm not a lawyer, I'm a consumer of lawyers, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I think there's a, a general consensus out there that, and I know that this isn't always true, okay, I'm speaking in general terms here, but that, you know, lawyers might be kind of cold, um, confusing, hard to understand, are they really in this for my interest or are they, you know, just trying to make money? And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that people, they might either feel afraid, they might feel small compared to talking to you because you, you're a lot more educated than them. Um, they might just be wondering if you're really in it for their best interest or if you just, if, they, if you just want another client and want another paycheck. Um, you know, so yeah, I think, I think there is a kind of a, a general feeling out there about lawyers. I mean, it's, it's in, 
jokes, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, yeah. it's played out on TV. I mean, it's, you know, and it's really important to uh, combat that to a certain degree and, and help people see that you really care about them. You're really looking out for their interest and that you really are one of the best at what you do. So are there effective elements of a branding of managing your brand for an attorney or for a small law firm that should be aimed at overcoming that fear? Absolutely. I mean, do you want me to comment on a few of them right now? Or? Yeah, just sure. Yeah. I mean, well, again, my expertise is going to be the internet and, and I should definitely say to the audience listening that, you know, look, I know that there's much more to your brand, to your marketing, to how people perceive you as an individual, as well as your firm there, there's much more, uh, that goes into all of that other than just the internet, but you can't ignore the fact that the internet is a huge part of what goes into somebody's perception of your firm. And we're not just talking about people that might find your law firm online, but even people that you network with or when someone's referred to you or or colleagues that you meet, they're also going to check out your website. They're also going to interact with your internet presence, depending on how much of an internet presence that you have. Um, So with that in mind, the answer to your question, I think one of the answers is, is is it's what you're doing with that internet presence. You know, if you, uh, a really simple example uh, to answer your question, Chris, is the more information and answers you provide to people's problems, so AKA, blogs, video FAQs, when you, when you put these things out there in a way that answers questions or solves a problem or sheds light on somebody's legal situation, well, then the receiver of that information begins to see you as a resource. They begin to see you as someone who can provide value, answer their questions, and potentially solve their problem. What that does when any one of us in any industry sees another person as a resource to something, that creates credibility, that creates trust. So when we think about your website and some of the peripherals that go with it, like blogs and videos and things like that, one of the primary aims should be to answer questions, to provide insight to problems, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a great way to kind of overcome some of that trust issue because it does the opposite. It creates credibility. Okay. So, and we were talking uh, at first about, you know, about the fear of talking to you. So it also would seem that providing that kind of information would create, it would, would start to level the playing field with the, with the potential consumer of your services, giving them enough information so they feel like they can have an intelligent conversation with you rather than coming in cold. Right. Well, I think that's the beauty of it. You're, you're solving both at the same time. You, you don't overcome, uh, you know, if you believe that there's, there's any sort of lack of trust or, consumers are afraid to speak to you or whatever wording you might want to use, whatever level of uncomfort there might be in a prospect. Um, you don't overcome that by saying, Hey, don't worry. You can trust me or Hey, you know, you should feel comfortable around me. You overcome that by establishing the opposite, by establishing credibility and establishing rapport. And, and so you are essentially kind of killing two birds with one stone because you should be wanting to build credibility, trust, rapport, and all of that anyway. And let me add to video. I think we were going to dive into this later. I'm not sure, but Hey, you know, this is now as good a time as any, you know, when we talk about video, uh, since we're kind of talking about trust and, and all that right now, you know, one of the best forms of video you can do is just, you know, look at the camera, you know, make eye contact with the camera and provide a natural conversational answer to a question that people often ask you. You don't need a, a fancy video company. You don't need all this extra footage of you working in your office. You don't need music <laughs> in the background. That stuff's cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there can be a place for that on your website, but that should be in addition to and separate from just having some video because here's what happens, Chris. Somebody can watch you 
They can see your face. They can hear you talk. And it's like they're sitting in the room across from you getting a question they have answered. And talk about creating an instant sense of rapport and familiarity. So now imagine when that person comes into your office and sits down with you. It's just a much different interaction because through a video, you've already built some connection with them. And that's just a great example of how you can overcome uh, you know, some of the objections or concerns that people might have before you maybe even sit down with them. Well, and I think this is a really important point that you brought up, Mark, because like, I think what a lot of lawyers think about when they hear, oh, you got to build a brand or got to do a video for a website, for their website. I mean, they're thinking about like, oh my goodness, I got to... You know, I've got to build the opening credits for this brand new lawyer show that uh, that's coming on television. <laughs> you know, I've got to you know, dun, 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 and you know, pictures of lawyers working and 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 arguing in a court. You know, all this stuff. And what you're saying is really no. The brand is you, or you know, in a small law firm, the brand is is just a couple of people that establish. You use the word trust, but it's established that they actually care about solving solving the problem and are able to do that. Does that summarize what you're saying? hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, you know, put yourself in their shoes. You know, you're not a lawyer and, and you need one. I mean, are you really going to choose a lawyer based off this fancy video they had with music and their lawyers parading around? I mean, it just, of course you're not like that. <laughs> that doesn't establish any value for you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask you towards the end of today about uh, some of the things that you've seen um, in lawyer websites that, that you haven't been involved with that may be some of the errors that some of our listeners might be making and could do better. But I just want to keep hitting a little bit on this trust issue because you, you also have written uh, uh, that uh, you found a study from uh, the American Bar Association that 69% of consumers surveyed believe that lawyers are more interested in making money than in serving their clients. Is this something that we that lawyers need to overcome in building their brand? Yeah, exactly. And and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier and 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 I think that a lot of at least what you can do on the internet falls in some of the things that we we just talked about. But yeah, I, I think it, it falls into the same category of what we were just speaking about. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned video and then that it is as simple as sitting down Sometimes just in front of your own webcam, is that what you're saying? Just and delivering you know, a couple <laughs> minutes about uh, a topic that your potential clients should be interested in? You know, this is a hard one for me to comment on because as the owner of a firm that does this for lawyers, I absolutely care about quality. You know, and there's a big argument out there between, you know, what is good enough? You know, some people say, you know, uh, getting it done is good enough kind of thing. You know what I mean? Other people say, well, getting it done, but it looking not very good kind of reflects you in the wrong light. So I think that, I, I think that everyone has to use their own level of, um, of judgment. You know, if, if you set up your video cam and you do it and you watch it, I mean, do you feel okay with other people seeing it? And, and actually, I'm going to correct that. Show it to a few people and ask them what they think because yeah. I found that lawyers sometimes are their own worst critics. So, um, <laughs> And, and that's okay to a degree, but you know you got to understand that your market is not a lawyer, so they're not critiquing every word that you said. You know, but if the lighting's bad, the audio's bad, you know, if there's something awkward in the background, I mean, as silly as it sounds, those little things are going to throw someone off, and you, you just don't want to seem not professional. Um, so I think you could do some of this on your own. You just need to have a good sense of is putting this out there actually going to add value for me and for the people that watch it or read it or whatever, or whatever we might be talking about, you know, or man, should I put this in my back pocket and wait till I can do it a little bit better? Whether that sure. means I get better equipment or I hire someone, but it's, but you can do this stuff on your own. I'm, I'm I don't want to discourage anyone. Right. And, and to, to demystify what it actually takes to get it done with high quality and with professional content. I mean, 
like a lot of people would think like they have to go to this big studio and spend no, days and days in production. What does it actually take? No, that, that's a great question. So, you know, I mean, it, it takes a camera <laughs> and um, if possible, you know, I always like to recommend a separate audio source. And, and, and honestly, that can be done on your own. I mean, you can get like a little mic that you wear, you know, on your on your shirt. And uh, there, there is some equipment out there that I know is not too expensive to get. Um, so you can do some of that stuff on your own. And then it just takes good lighting. Sometimes you find the right room and, and the lighting's fine, you know, or you find the right angle with the camera and it's fine. Now, if you hire a crew to come out and do this, you should expect they're going to bring all these things. They'll bring extra lighting. You know, they'll, they'll bring the right camera and the right mic. But the bottom line is if you find decent lighting and you've got a camera that's going to record audio and not make you sound like you're in a basement, you know, or something like that, then, then yeah, that's going to be good because at least right now <laughs> where we stand in the industry, what you have is going to be better than most. Now, hey, five or 10 years from now, that might change, right? You know, because it is relativity matters here. You know, comparing to others is, is essentially what matters, whether whether we like Absolutely. it or not. So in addition to video, we've spent a lot of time on that. I think it's a really, really great tip uh, for folks. That's one way to really make yourself seem approachable. There are other things to round out uh, the sort of building that trustable brand um, that, that can go along with video. One of them that you've written about is uh, using social media. How, how can lawyers use social media to do this? Yeah, you know, great question. So I think there's a couple of things with social media. And, and, and I, one of the things I want to say first, Chris, just because I, I have a conversation with lawyers every day about this. So I feel like, hey, I'm on a microphone, so maybe I can get the message out to <laughs> a few at once. You know, you can't approach social media as a lead generation tool. And I'm not saying you can't get leads from it. I'm just saying that can't be the reason you're on social media. It really is more of a brand building tool. So I, I think number one to answer your question is, is your approach matters. You know, what your, what your perspective is of why you're on social media matters. Um, but to go a little bit further into that, I mean, our philosophy is that across all mediums and all channels, the question you should be asking yourself is how am I providing uh, helpful information? How am I providing value? Um, what's going to make somebody actually want to pay attention to what I'm doing here, whether it's video, social media, blog, whatever it might be. So I think on social media, you know, talk about some of the same things, provide links to articles that might be helpful to your audience. Um, you know, link to pages on your website that might be helpful to your audience, you know, provide value and content that's going to be interesting to them. And Hey, you know what, as silly as it might sound, if every now and then you have to throw a quote or just a cool little nugget in there, people like that stuff. And that's still okay. You're still providing value, even though it's a little bit different. So I think that, you know, what you post about is important, but Chris, I also think it's important to identify there's a difference between your firm's social media and your personal yes. social media. If you want to use your personal social media for business, that's great. No problem. But then what you want to do with it is you really want to create relationships with it because that's what social media is, right? I mean, social media exists right. so we can all have more relationships, but there's a difference between an individual having a relationship with your firm and an individual having a relationship with you, right? So you use your personal social media to connect with people, engage them in conversation and not necessarily even like prospects. I mean, it might be strategic people, centers of influence, things like that. But for your firm social media, I think it really, you might be able to do some of that relational stuff, but I think the approach really should just be put out valuable content, make it clear what you do, make it clear how you help people and, you know, give them something worth paying attention to. So does that, that difference make sense? Yeah, it does. Totally. So Mark, we're going to take a moment here uh, to hear from our sponsors and uh, we'll come right back and we'll talk about 
A couple more things around building trust. Uh, you'd, you'd written about uh, video and social media, but also about uh, newsletters, blog entries, and also what language you use. We'll talk about marketing funnels and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. So we'll be back in just a moment. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just send us an email at advertising at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And we're back with Mark Cerniglia talking about managing your brand. And when we left off, we were talking about building trust because uh, one of the uh, key issues that lawyers have to deal with that have been identified is that uh, our prospective customers don't trust us. 69% of consumers believe that lawyers are more interested in making money than in serving them. And uh, Mark has told us how to, about how to build that trust in video and social media. And so I just wanted to ask him about a couple other avenues um, including uh, newsletters. How can newsletters as part of an overall marketing strategy help with this? Right. So, I mean, well, the real benefit of a newsletter is staying top of mind. And, and um, I think we might get to that a little bit later. I'm not sure. But, you know, t- top of mind awareness is part of branding. And, and all that is, is is the idea of staying connected with people, staying top of mind. We all, we all kind of understand that the more top of mind something or someone is, the more likely we are to use that thing or refer to that person because they've stayed top of mind. So one of the real values of an email newsletter to a firm is doing that, especially when most lawyers still rely heavily on referrals. But what that's also going to do to your your database is it's going to continue to build rapport with them. It's going to continue to remind them that you're here. It's going to continue to remind them what you do, which not only might help with referrals, but it's going to continue to solidify in their mind that you're someone that, you know, is, is good at what you do, that they can trust. And, you know, to some people that might sound silly. It's like, really, just getting an email newsletter from somebody is going to begin to create that. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's subconscious, but the more top of mind that, that certain professionals are and, and the more that what they put out there is impressive. So if your email newsletter looks good, provides good content, is interesting, um, then, then the more you're going to continue to solidify yourself in your recipients' minds that you know you're a go-to leader in what you do. Excellent, very cool. And and then how do blogs fit into all of this? This is an interesting conversation because we have a pretty particular uh, approach to blogs that we like to take, and, and it's not necessarily that there's a right or wrong here. Um, but our approach that we typically recommend and that, that we like to do for our clients when when they want us to is is to focus on what we've kind of said so far: answer questions that people have, provide you know value. So I mean, let, let's just say you're a criminal defense attorney. So one of the obvious ones might be you know a blog about what to do when you get pulled over for a DUI. Yeah. But maybe you're a white collar criminal attorney. Maybe you deal more with, you know, um, you know, financial crimes, things like that. You know, so with, you know, what are your rights if you're being questioned by the FBI? That's something that's going to be interesting. That's going to be relevant to the individuals or the family members of the individuals in that situation. You know, all the way over to, you know, if you're an estate planning attorney, right? Like, what are the benefits of a living will? Or, you know, five reasons an estate plan, you know, is important for your future, right? So. Think about the questions and situations that your clients find themselves in and write about that. Now, the reason I, I said that there are some other options out there, you know, I do talk to lawyers from time to time that more like to write about current events, 
mm-hmm. right? So I'm a criminal defense attorney. Maybe there is a, um, you know, I think, you know, recently there was an NFL player being, you know, charged for a crime. That was obviously national news. And so his thought was, well, why don't we write some legal analysis of that? Right. I'm going to be honest with the listeners. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other that that's a good idea or a bad idea. What I am going to tell you is that blogging about what I previously shared, I know that that works because that answers people's questions, provides value to them, solidifies that you are someone who can solve their problem. Providing analysis about a current event might be interesting, but how does it relate to my situation? You know, and, and I think that's the key. If you can find that link, then I think that can be cool because you can seem current and up to date, but it's got to tie back into how does this help the reader, right? Or the family members of the reader. Right. I think this is one of the things, you know, just to kind of emphasize what you just said that I think the audience really can learn from is that a lot of lawyers spend a lot of time in a lot of their marketing efforts making themselves look good or thinking they're making themselves look good instead of answering (laughs) that key question, which is what can you do for me? I think that's what you're talking about. It is. And the funny thing is that ends up making you look good. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. All right. And then, uh, so, so what I wanted to do is you, you've been talking about being top of mind. You've been talking about, uh, you know, this, this need to be out there and provide value in all these things. Why don't I ask you to just speak real quickly to the question that I think is on some folks' mind, which is, it sounds like you're saying to give away a lot of the milk and I'm worried they're not going to come by the cow. I mean, that, that's a great point, but what are you really giving away? I mean, if you're an estate planning attorney, are you actually telling them how to create an estate plan? I mean, I mean, maybe, but for the most part, I don't know that you are actually giving away the cow here. You're, I, I you're, think you're basically giving people enough value so that you know they know that you can give them more. But obviously, your marketing can't speak to their specific problem, right? That's a fair point. I mean, you know, I I think to some degree it could. I mean, let's look at my situation, right? I own a company that does some of the things that we're talking about for lawyers, but I speak at bar associations and and do things all the time where I'm educating lawyers on how to do this stuff on their own. It's pretty simple. Eventually in life for anything, you get to a point where you realize either A, I don't want to spend the time doing this myself, or B, I know that someone else could do this better than me. And the truth is when you reach the, either of those points in life, you're going to go to the person that probably taught you how to do that stuff or, or who you feel like is the best at doing it. So I, I think that, you know, might you find some people that try to do things on their own? Yes, but I would argue that they probably were going to anyway. And, and when they do reach a point of, of realizing they, they should reach out to you, it, it's going to be a done deal because in their minds, you're an all-star. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And you also were talking about in, in doing that, that part of the marketing that needs to be done in the newsletters help to accomplish and other things that you do is to remain top of mind. And I think a lot of lawyers understand the need to get referral sources and to cultivate referral sources, but they don't do the things that they need to do to stay, as you referred to it, top of mind. So first of all, what would you describe as a, as a good referral source? Well, I mean, I think a good referral source, it, I mean, when, I, when we talk about referral sources, we mean in the really traditional sense. So we mean somebody that you know, another professional, friend, whatever it might be, that, that sends you business, okay? There are other places generate leads like the internet, but, you know, uh, hopefully this answers your question, but, you know, like we don't see, Google is not a referral source. Google is a, is a lead generation tool. But when we talk about referrals, we mean in the traditional sense of, of somebody referring business your way. Does that answer your question? 
Yeah, I think so. So, but, but what? So, what can you do? So, there's a lot of people out there who I think know about me, know what I do, but I don't get the level of referrals that I would like to, or perhaps I should just believe I can do better. What can I do to encourage referral sources to do a better job for me? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what, Chris, let's set this up too with a statistic that, that really, I think, proves the significance of your, of your question. You know, we, we often quote a Texas Tech marketing survey yep. that says about 83% of your satisfied clients, colleagues, et cetera, are willing to refer to you. But check this out. Only 29% of them actually are. So, you know, said another way for those that, you know, aren't, aren't doing the quick math there, what that means is you're only getting about one third of the referrals you could be getting from people you already know who are willing to refer to you. One third. The really scary part is that most lawyers I talk to, Chris, are still getting the high majority of their business through referrals, meaning that if they maximize their referral sources, they could potentially double, triple their business without going out and, you know, running a big advertising campaign if they could just maximize their referral sources. So I think we have to start there because I can tell you that a lot of lawyers don't, they kind of skip over that. They kind of don't realize that they're not maximizing their referral sources and they jump straight into, well, I need to be number one on Google, right? I need to get more leads. I need to get more phone calls. So I wanted to kind of set that up. I mean, to answer your question, it does come back to top of mind awareness and and that can mean a lot of things, both on the internet and not, you know? So what are you doing to stay in front of people? You know, the the non-internet stuff that, you know, most lawyers are, are probably familiar with or heard of. I mean, it's everything from the annual Christmas card you might send out to every now and then reaching out to your clients in a phone call or an email and just checking in seeing how they're doing. You know, you do that whether you realize it or not, because you recognize that staying top of mind and staying connected ultimately is is beneficial to you and could create more referrals. I think on the internet, here's the key. We already talked about the tools. We talked about video, social media, blogs, email newsletter. So the real answer to your question, as simple as this is, you ready? Those things have to be ongoing. They have to be consistent. You need to send out the newsletter at least once a month. You know, when we do videos, uh, Chris, we like to film them all at once, but then we release them monthly. You know, it's like a video series, you know, put out a new blog every month or every week, whatever, whatever makes sense for you. You know, post on social media daily because the key to top of mind awareness is that it's consistent and that it happens, you know, on a, on a certain regularity. So ongoing content would be the key answer to your question of how to create more top of mind awareness. Okay, so yeah, so in you know, because you did, you talked about social media before, but you're, if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is yes, be engaged in social media, but be out there providing something on a regular basis so that people are looking for it. When they think about that topic, they think of you because you're the one giving out that information time and time again. Is that what you're saying? Exactly what I'm saying. I've had people tell me that, you know, they don't even open up our email newsletter, but they see it in their inbox every mm-hmm. time it goes out. And then they're the ones sending me a referral. And some of these people I haven't even spoken to in a year. And, and just to clarify, it's not that I don't want to, but we all have growing databases and we only have so much time in the day to stay connected with people. So when you can actually put out content on a consistent basis, that content works for you. Oh, they have a new blog. Oh, they have a new email newsletter. Oh, look, their new video just came out. Like these are all reasons for people to check back in, remember you, kind of, it's kind of that poking them being, hey, don't forget we're here, you know, but it happens for you. That's the value of ongoing content. And you're doing it in a way that you're not asking so much for anything. You're just continuing to provide value in this variety of different ways that we've talked about. 
Correct. Yeah, exactly. And we, we talk all the time about how, no, I wouldn't necessarily do a blog that's like titled, you know, why you should hire an attorney in such and such situation. <laughs> because that becomes really, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, that, that becomes really clear that, you know, okay, this blog is about convincing me, you know, to hire you or, or why someone else should. So, um, you know, right. I think that when you do the things we've already talked about, you come across as someone who wants to help, who wants to provide answers, provide value. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, that's how you do it the right way. Cool. What that leads me to, to want to ask you about is because you, you've sort of referred to this in talking about referral sources in that you said, you know, listen, we've got the, the, this Texas study that said that 83% of satisfied previous customers are willing to refer, but only 29% do. So lawyers are losing like two thirds of those. But lawyers also struggle with seeing their whole marketing effort as an educational funnel, if you will, to help people understand what they do and when and why they would be of service to them. And, you know, seeing it as a funnel where a sale, like you said, sometimes people may be getting your newsletter for a year where the sale is made over a period of time. And you've written a little bit about holes in that funnel that lawyers don't pay enough attention to. So can you just, first of all, do a better job than I just did at describing what a marketing (laughs) funnel looks like uh, for a small law firm? Sure. I mean, I think it's just identifying how everything's connected. You know, I often also talk to lawyers who say, I don't really know if I'm getting any business from my website. And mm-hmm. that phrase shows a misunderstanding of your marketing funnel because, you know, wait a second, your, your website doesn't create business for you. Your website is a marketing and sales tool that helps people get answers to their questions and, and get more information about you. But what got them to your website? Because that's part of your marketing funnel. What got them there? Maybe it was Google, but like we talked about earlier, who else is going to your website? People, your re- people that are referred to you, your referral sources, your colleagues, your friends, your family, I mean, everyone you hand a business card to. So it's really important to understand how everything's connected. You know, when you send out an email newsletter, who's that going to? That's not going to people that found you on Google. I mean, and unless they found you in Google and then signed up for the newsletter, but more often than not, that email newsletter is going to people you've already met before, people mm-hmm. that are already in your database. So it's really important to understand that, that there's a link between your website, your internet presence, and really all of your marketing efforts, everything from networking to relationship building all the way to the other side of the spectrum, which is advertising, Google, you know, and things like that. So it's important to understand that all of that stuff funnels people into a sales funnel, right? A sales process. And we think that the internet is part of that sales funnel or that sales process every time. Well, you mentioned uh, in one of your, in one of your articles that Lexis did a study, LexisNexis did a study about how consumers use the internet while searching for a lawyer. Exactly. And, and, and that's just it. You know, I I think that they, they found that uh, something more than like three fourths of people do that. And when we hear that term, we often think, oh yeah, yeah, that means they're going to Google. No, it doesn't mean that necessarily. It just means they use the internet as part of the process. Mm -hmm. So sure, a handful of people are searching for a lawyer on Google, but a lot of them are also looking you up when they're referred to you and and they want to get more information about you, whether it's looking at your website, your Avo profile, you know, whatever it might be. Um, But the point is, is that we spend time on the internet trying to get more information, either finding a lawyer or learning more about the lawyer that that we're thinking about working with. In doing that, the fact that three-fourths of people are using the internet while searching for a lawyer, and one of the places that they most frequently end up is, in fact, the lawyer's website. And like you said, they could be doing it as a first search. They looked on Avo, or they looked on Google, or they looked on one of the other search engines and were driven to your website, or they could be looking it up as a verification. You know, hey, this guy referred Joe Schmo lawyer to me. I'm going to check their website. 
because I believe that I'll learn something to help me make a decision. What does the attorney's website need to accomplish when someone lands there? It needs to accomplish a few things. I think that one, it needs to communicate to that visitor that they're in the right place. So it needs to be really clear what you do. Okay. And just by the way, as a side note, you know, this also helps you save time because if they're in the wrong place, you want them to know that, right? You don't want them to come in and and waste both their time and your time. So it needs to really clearly communicate what you do, how you help people. Um, And then once you've solidified that, hey, you're in the right place, you need to have some things on the website that help that person get a sense that you are now the right person to solve their problem. And the truth is, not to sound oversimplified, but it comes back to some of the things we already talked about. You know, those mm-hmm. video FAQs, put them in a video library and, and make it very clear somewhere on your homepage or your main menu that you have a video FAQ. Do the same thing with your blog. Maybe, you know, feature the latest blog article on your homepage. It makes it real clear you have a blog and how to get to it, you know. If your state bar allows you to have testimonials, you know, find a way to, to feature some of those so people can actually see what, you know, past clients have had to say. If you can have a free resource somebody can download, you know, offer that, you know. So I think that um, the more tools you can have on your website for people to engage and interact with other than just your practice areas page that talks about what you do, which everybody else has, you know, I, I think the more tools you can have like that, that just enrich the experience for somebody is going to work for you because what that's ultimately doing is it's, it's helping them say to themselves, wow, this is the person or this is the firm that, that's really going to help me with this. Yeah. And then uh, you also mentioned that the, and I've seen people fail to do this sometimes, but the website should uh, help the visitors to that website then actually get in touch with the law firm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everyone's got a slightly different philosophy on this. You know, some people like to have a contact form on every page. Some people, you know, are are good with just the phone number, uh, an email address. It needs to be one of those, if not all of them. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, you know, you you have to have the contact form on every page. But but absolutely. I mean, it even amazes me how often just in any business, uh, you know, I'm trying to find the phone number for somebody and I can't, you know. So whatever form of contact you want people to contact you in, make it obvious, you know, as in at the top of the website, you know. And the last thing, pet peeve of mine are are folks that believe that everybody's visiting their website on a big giant desktop computer with a big giant screen, which just isn't true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now we're getting into, into a website language, but right. Yeah. You, you want to make sure that your website is, you know, mobile friendly, mobile optimized. A lot of people are searching on their phones or searching. Which in plain English basically means looks good on a phone. Yes, which, which is very easy to test. You know, yeah. if you're listening right now, pull out your phone and go to your website and, uh, and see what it looks like. You know, but that, that's a very easy thing to test. And I will also say it's a very easy thing for website people to do uh, to, make, to make your website look good on, on mobile. Don't, you know, this isn't five years ago when it was like, oh my gosh, you can make me a mobile website. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of standard these days. So um, that, that's something any web person should do for you and, and do with ease. Great. So as, as we get close to wrapping up, we've talked a lot about all the things that lawyers should be doing. I thought it'd be fun just to wrap up by maybe mentioning a couple of things without calling out any specific firms, of course. Some things that lawyers do on the web or in their, in their internet presence uh, that they really shouldn't be doing. Wow. You know, the truth is, I wish I had more exciting things here, Chris, but I often tend to ignore anything I see like that. Um, so maybe you have some, um, some anecdotes here, but I think the couple things I see are number one, inconsistency in some of this mm-hmm. stuff. You know, so I go to your website and the last time you blogged was 2013. 
Uh-huh. Okay. I'm wondering if your firm's still open, Sure. <laughs> you know? So same thing with social media, you know, your last post was six months ago or, or whatever it might be. So I think that trying some of these things, but not doing it consistently. And, and I just have to say, now that I said that, don't let that stop you from starting because consistent doesn't have to be every day. You can blog once a month, you know, you can post to social media even once or twice a week, just have some regularity to it. You know, nobody's going, oh my gosh, your last social media post was four days ago. You must not be relevant. I mean, no one's thinking that yet, at least about a long time. <laughs> you, know? you know, so uh, consistency. I, so I think when I see that lack of consistency, you know, I think that uh, another thing I see is email newsletters that are just way too long. Right. Um, you know, people aren't going to just sit there. I mean, if you're going through their email, it's, they, they've probably got another 20 emails to power through, you know, so um, keep it relevant to what you do. Keep, keep the focus on what's helpful. You know, you, you can't have four or five paragraphs telling a story about something that happened in your law firm. People just aren't going to probably spend the time to read that. You might get like that one person that reads it and emails you back and is like, oh, this is such a cool story. Thank you for sharing. And so you take that as like, everybody loved it. And it's like, no, that's just the one person that read it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, um, yeah, I don't have anything like terribly funny. I wish I kind of did, but I just think be consistent, you know, be sensible. I don't know, Chris, what have you seen? I mean, I think my pet peeve, uh, and you can tell me what you know how effective this is, but I, a lot of law firm websites, other than being like you mentioned, dated or look like they were done in sort of you know a web design software from ten years ago, is this infatuation with talking about themselves. You know, law firm and lawyer websites that talk about you know I belong to this and this and this, and I got my degree from here, and uh, I kicked a, a few people's butts in these cases. And me, 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 and that's it. And they don't communicate anything about what they can do for the person that's looking at them. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I think that plays really well into what we've been talking about with with all these mediums and channels, you know, that you should be communicating content and information that answers questions or solves problems or lends some advice or insight to their problem. I mean, I do think, you know, I usually do recommend like on your about page or your bio page, sure, list off your credentials. I mean, have that on there. I mean, if if the other guy has it and you don't, it does create some sort of, you know, dissonance or dissension for the viewer. Um, but right, your whole website sh- shouldn't be one big you know, promotion of how great you are. Um, you know, you, you can communicate your value to people by giving them value. Exactly. You know, that's the key. Awesome. Mark, thanks so much. This has been a really great uh, time talking with you. I've really appreciated you coming on the show. Yeah, no, this was awesome, Chris. Uh, I, I really hope that uh, your listeners get some value out of it. I do too. I believe they will. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Mark Cerneglia of Spotlight Branding. And you can learn more about him at Mark, that's M-A-R-C, at SpotlightBranding.com. His website is SpotlightBranding.com. And his Twitter is Mark Cerniglia, uh, M-A-R-C-C-E-R-N-I-G-L-I-A. And also LinkedIn at Cerniglia. And this, of course, is Christopher Anderson. I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we explore online reviews and how come they're important to you. And as we learn more about topics every month that help us build a law firm business that works for you. Remember that you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at thelegaltalknetwork.com. That's legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own 
and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Today's legal news is rarely as straightforward as the headlines that accompany them. On Lawyer to Lawyer, we provide the legal perspective you need to better understand the current events that shape our society. Join me, Craig Williams, and a wide variety of industry experts as we break down the top stories. Follow Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.